Whenever you suffer pain, keep in mind that it's nothing to be ashamed of and that it, can, it can't degrade your guiding intelligence, nor keep it from acting rationally and for the common good. And in most cases, you should be helped by the saying of Epicurus, that pain is never unbearable or unending. So you can remember these limits and not add them in your imagination. Remember, too, that many common annoyances are pain in disguise, such as sleepiness, fever, and loss of appetite. When they start to get you down, tell yourself you are given in to pain. Marcus Aurelius. Mm. The Stoic King. Jeez. What's going on, right? I thought we were going to start one with that shattering our balls and emotion. Um, what's going on, guys? This is MDLP. This is the Battle Axe Podcast, episode 32. I thought it was 33. So technically, it's 32, but I'm going to pretend it's 33 so I don't lose the bet. Um, excuse my stuffy nose. I am obviously suffering from some sort of um, head cold. Is that what people call it? Human yeah, beings call it? that's what they say in yeah, the office. That's what they say. It's not the Miami cold. It's actually a real one. <laughs> um, and I'm close. I'm sitting here with my handsome co-host and Baron of the North, Johnny Banks. What's up, everyone? Welcome back. Episode 32, if you want to be right. Uh, episode 33. Hold I'm done on, here. Hold cool. on. Let's this cancel. is how I love you. Episode 33, if you count the lost... Best episode we ever did. <laughs> that was so we pay tribute to. We're both right. I guess you're right. You see, that's are. why I was like 33. See, teamwork makes the this dream is work. such a fucking amazing team, guys. I wish you could be here in the presence of this energy, but not, but not really though, because yeah, we really like the room to ourselves. Yeah, maybe us. like a guest or two, but that that makes me that's about it. <laughs> um, <laughs> so we came to this concept this week, and before we get started, as always, um. We're going to give thanks to people who are helping us out, always giving back to those who've always given to us locally and around the world. First of all, Med CBD to the CBD company that continues to look out for us and did the whole battle acts of uh, CBD, like lotion and rub. It's awesome. To the villains, BV305, again, family, always for pretty much putting us on the map around the world. Your guys' DMs and reposts and the fact that you listen to us is always essential and always pushes us forward as gentlemen of the future. Cerberus USA, shout out to the company that takes care of all my strength athletes and your discount code, which is battle. Um, thank you guys. And lastly, battle Axe gym and the battle Axe clan. You guys are really a reason to keep going. And one of the major inspirations for this podcast and so many. And lastly, we're going to dedicate this episode because we lost one of our own not too long ago. Melissa, the dynamo, this one's for you, kid. Mm. So <clears throat> what we're going to do, <laughs> we always say that we're going to start off uh, casually, but we're going to get into some things first. And um, I think first we're going to start off lighthearted and not <laughs> deep into our dark and disgusting souls um, <laughs> and discuss world's strongest man and then slowly transition into what I think is going to be one of our most practical episodes. And I mean practical in the sense that I really am going to dive into not so much anecdotal and metaphorical stuff. Of course we will because I'm a philosophical fuck and we're both emotional, passionate men. But there's going to come some things that we say today that is actually peer-reviewed. It's science. It's not just, you know, Instagram soapbox talk. Um, and I hope that this does create discussion, argument. I hope it does kind of either inspire you and motivate you to think deeper into yourselves or piss you the fuck off so you can try and come at me so we can have a discussion mm. because I think that's where growth comes, not just accepting things blindly or having to whisper 
the correct answer because you're scared of being ridiculed online because you're actually right. You know? So here we are. Jeez. I'm sassy. So, yeah, now let's Don't talk let about the world's strongest man. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, well, fuck. You know, you know what's funny? Uh, think about, and this is a discussion of pain and stuff. A lot of times when we watch World's Strongest Man or any high-level show, Super Bowls, playoffs, um, and any sport, I don't care if you like it or not, these guys are getting there. That's the echelon. That's the end of the season. No one there is 100%. Right. Unless you're just a freak. And no amount of drugs, painkillers, shots, or injections takes away the fact that you're probably there pretty fucked up. Mm-hmm. Pain. I mean, look at Terry Hollins, like we were talking about. Yeah. Terry's a fucking bicep, you know, and he still did his events. <laughs> you know, he. I don't know if you saw that video. He goes up to the guy. He goes, hey, you're the com- cameraman, you know, they all talk. <laughs> and he's like, hey, can you, this is probably my last one ever. Um, can you imagine, like, if you're a fan of the sport and you happen to be that cameraman, you're like, oh. And I tell you, listen, I had the luxury and the privilege of having dinner with Terry Hollins, uh, Brian Shaw, some weird little Asian guy that hung out the whole time, but I liked him. He was nice. <laughs> and Dion uh, Wessels. Mm. And I remember really liking Terry because Terry was a regular dude. Yeah. And I mean, like like Jerry Pritchett. Like, yeah, sure. You know, they have their shit. They have their vices. I remember Terry... He was going through a rough time with his ex-wife at the time. He was very vocal about it, very real. Ex-rugger, so it's like, ugh, I get it. We're on the same level. Mm-hmm. Smoke cigarettes. And he said sometimes he would just have trouble, man. he just drink the night away, trying to drown out the demons, and that yeah. he would try to progress forward from that. And this was maybe five years ago. Yeah. And look where he is at now. Better than ever. You know, found a new relationship, has a new, uh, another child, um, pushing forward in great shape. Yeah. And it's not just a guy that's overcoming physical pain. You know, that guy really, I mean, when you saw him there and he was talking about, you know, sometimes he comes home like five, six in the morning getting wasted and he's like, I don't know why, man. Sometimes I just need to do it. I'm like, I, you're, <laughs> I get it, you know? And yeah, it's also seeing these guys as human beings who are challenging themselves on a, on a physical pain and the manifestation. And then which one came first, you know? Sure. Sometimes we say, is that person always been in pain or did he just started feeling these feelings because he got hurt and that whole psychological con- connection between these two but these guys man shout out to each and every single one of them dude whether they make the top 10 or not you are literally one of the strongest people in the is world. it uh bobby thompson yeah man definitely uses code battle yeah definitely he, he uses code battle they don't have to use bobby i'll tell him to listen to us and tell him to use my code jerk <laughs> one of my teammates man nice guy man let yeah. me tell you man he's very cool in the in the we have a group chat, which is pretty cool to be in a group chat with like him and Nick Bass <laughs> and Travis Ordemar and be like, love you, bro. <laughs> and he's like, thanks, man. I'm like, oh. It's just cool. Say it back. Yeah, I'm like, say it, to, <laughs> say it again, but like, let me screenshot it like for my friends. No, man. Uh, you know, it's cool to see like, uh, especially to be able to watch the guys you've watched for so long, you know, looking at a guy like Shaw who can get after maybe a fifth title. I said he was going to win. I have proof. I'm pretty sure you said it on an episode. Yeah. Okay, right? Okay, sure I did. also said, I also messaged one of my guys, Esteban. I said, first day I go, Shaw wins it. Yeah. So it's not like now, you know, he's looking dominant. So everyone's like, oh, I'm like, no, no. Again, 39 years old. Dave, do you, people have uh, it's pretty much said he has been done for years. Oh, yeah. You know, he's always going to be third. He's done. He's too big. He loses weight. And it's not like he's getting faster. He's getting fucking smarter. Yeah, and he's competitive, and he wants to win. And look, he's he he did it so much that he held the axe, the pickaxe, 
for five seconds and then dropped it because he didn't even need to win that event. Yeah. That's how many points he's up in his group. He's also uh, like the ideal professional too. Right. Like you do not, that man does not slip. Nope. And he's, he's you no signs of being a that. scumbag. Like No. <laughs> that's one thing when we were in, in the Arnold's, man, that guy is like, by the book, <laughs> man. Like, I'm like, on. you want to get a beer? He's like, no, man, come on. I'm like, come on. You know, like, jeez, <laughs> man. I was like, come on, Brian, you don't want to fuck around and get some, maybe like a beer? He's like, no, like, I'm, gonna, I'm actually trying to win this. I'm like, ah, whatever. <laughs> I mean, he won it. Credit to him. He won 50 grand, but who cares? Yeah, seriously. 50 grand? Or a that. couple beers at MDLP. I mean, it's, it's priceless. It's priceless. In Barcelona, Barcelona, come on. Barcelona? Yeah, and I remember by the end of the night, I'm like, Jerry, let's get some beers. He's like, yeah, you're right. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> dude, I get it, you know. And another one, man, another war horse was yeah. all banged up. Yeah. But shout out to all these young guys, man. I'm really, I'm really a little sad that Novikov didn't make the top 10. They always have some weird fucking rule, some tie rule, that because he didn't place... Um, didn't place high enough on the hole. That was the tiebreaker. I'm like, even though he had won two events, so their count back was an event win, not overall wins, which I think is weird. I mean, they always, last like two years ago was like stone head to head. And they, yeah. even though I forgot who, I think it was Novikov actually, who had had like up by nine points, <laughs> lost a stone head to head to somebody who was like under by 15 and he got out of the top 10. I'm like, that's absurd. Yeah. But whatever, man. I mean, you look at a guy like, um, you know, I forget his name, but on Instagram, he's a berserker lifter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I uh, forget his name. Good old, big old country boy. Yeah, with the hat. And oh, so in Vegas, he Troy. was at Nationals. Yeah. And he was head and shoulders so much better than everyone there. Yeah. Like, man, that guy's going to be pretty Trey good. Trey Mitchell's, isn't it? Trey Mitchell, Trey yeah. Mitchell. And then, he, what, uh, four years later, now he's world strong man, world strongest yeah. man final. I remember exactly I was when I went to the Arnolds to coach one of my lifters, uh, two of my lifters at the time, um, and I remember seeing Bobby. I'm like, man, he's kind of a smaller one for that, but I'm like, I'd be interested. Yeah. Like, and it was more like, not like, you're not going to make it. I'm just like, man, he's going to have to work hard. Yeah. He's a little, and I mean small in the sense of relative size. <laughs> uh, but, you know, he was struggling with some deadlifts and, you know, pushing through, not really mobile, but strong. Yeah. And look at him, top 10 in the world now. And that was like two years ago. And yeah. it just takes time, dude. And it takes, you know, well, not getting hurt, first of all, but training smart. Sure. So it was pretty cool, man. It's a shame that I would have loved it to have been in Florida. Um, that would have been pretty dope. We could have filmed yeah. this over there, but whatever. We could have. Stupid California and their rules. Uh, you know, any World's Strongest Man sponsorships that wants to fly us out so we can talk strictly strong, man. We're we should be the commentators. Oh. I'm gonna talk to Furman about Must Clash of the Coast. I'm allow like, profanity. Yeah, I'm like, look, guy, <laughs> let the pro step in, Papa. Go ahead and you know, kiss babies and shake hands. Like, let me take care of it. Yeah. And I know all those fucking fools, so it doesn't matter. Yeah, they're all your guys. Yeah, just jerks. Just a bunch of just a bunch of bros, a bunch of two thirty bros hanging out. No fucking big deal. doing heavyweight, world strongest man stuff because <laughs> it's the best class ever. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and, and it 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 always. Seeing world strongest man always attests to, to that that uh to get there, yeah. I mean, look at Travis. Ten years later, his last world strongest man was ten years ago. You're looking at a guy, you know, in his late thirties or forties, who after ten years and a shoulder surgery not too long ago, maybe not even a year, and shoulders are complicated, mm. fights his way back and proves himself. It's not like he was out there like you don't belong here. Yeah. 
you know, he was like, hey, Travis still has it. It's just it wasn't his day. Maybe still top 15 in the world. Caron, who's just another the, monster. The guy just, no matter what, he's just love always Caron. there. Yep. Consistent. You know he can win something. He's always dangerous, you know. Yeah. Like you never The know. right events play out for him, and he's world's strongest man. And that's what I kind of like about the current group, yeah. you know. Of course, you have your Shaws, and but look, Novikov won last year dominantly beating Shaw, beating a bunch of guys, and yeah. it's, it's not even in the top 10 this year. And it just it goes that way. You know, yeah. sometimes you have a bad start. It's be, you're beat up. And remember, a lot of these guys go in there, and you don't know what they're going through. Elbow sure. pain, knee injuries, tears. They just bandage it up and shut the fuck up. Yeah. You know, look at Travis. You didn't say until now, but he tore his hamstring on the first day. And now he's like, hey, look, all is said and done. Just showing you. And there's a big, bloody bruise on the back. He's like, I just didn't say anything. I'm like, you see, that's, such a that's what I'm talking about. Yeah, it's things. like, shut the fuck up. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, happens, yeah. man. No, listen. So um, I think that that's uh, important to talk about because we've also uh, kind of gotten into the trials of MDLP where um, you've been, and I think you've always been very candid about your injuries, but I think that it's more impressive now to see the work. Um, you know, you have this, people have this perception of you of like this fighter, this warrior that can't be denied. But to be able to see, you know, the work without the armor, you know what I'm saying? Right. Uh, has been really interesting. So first and foremost, you've had, you know, your fair share of injuries. Why did you think right now was the most important time to be open with this? That's a good, I didn't expect that. That's a good question. Maybe because I don't know how many more runs I want to give Strongman. And, uh, that's a very uh, difficult topic for me, but it's a very real topic for me. And it's not based on age. Um, it's not because there's guys my age and older that are still very dominant or, or competitive. Yeah. I think it comes to a point where if my fear of injury or my hesitation starts to overcome and overlap my commitment to be competitive and execute that, I'm done. And that's a very difficult thing for me to admit because there's sometimes where every single time I grab an implement, I'm like, my bicep's gonna go. Like I just I just know it. Yeah. Or I hear it and I have to like shake that. When six years ago, it wasn't even a whisper. Yeah. It wasn't even like a thing. Um and now, like, my, my, I had surgery on my left knee, as you guys know, and I'm now my good knee hurts. And I'm like, mm-hmm. you know, is this another one? You know, maybe that one's going to go. It's a very real thing as you age in anything. Sure. You know, you start to feel a little bit more vulnerable. But in essence, that has also created a resiliency in the sense of committing to something. And I thought maybe there was no better time than now, A, because I'm a very morbid human being, and I don't think that next year or tomorrow is promised to anyone So if I can document anything, whether it's 5, 10, or 15 episodes, even if I go, you can be like, hey, let's learn from this guy. Mm -hmm. You know, let's let's do that. And my friend Gabriel, I call him Gabby affectionately, who I've known for about 32 years. Um, So he's like a brother to me, literally. Very talented. Shout out to you. I always, um, always tag him and everything. Mm -hmm. Doing, we're doing this when, I mean, we, mostly him. is doing it for the love of the, the the issue. And I also want him to be recognized for his talent. 
Yeah. You know, he's doing this like with two kids, a wife, a job, a real life dude. Um, not because he wants to get famous, but because he loves that. He loves my story. Like he's always been a big supporter to me just behind the scenes because him and like my friend Giancarlo and my friend Black, uh, these guys I've known for 32 years. He's just like my boys, you yeah. know? Aside from my cousin, I don't know anybody that long. So that long. And I thought to myself, you know, this is the age where I have somebody that can do this for me, that we can make good videos that, like, why can't I do this? You sure. know, and I'm at this kind of stage in my life on a personal level, on a business level, on an athletic level. I was like, well, why not me? You know, why not put in my resources? Why not tell my story? Um, and I don't know how many much how many more stories I feel like telling from comebacks. Yeah. You know, there comes a time where, and I've told you this before, and, and I've told you this in, in, in many episodes too, where I just don't want to be always remembered as the guy that has to come back from something. It's like, to me, my mindset is I'm, I'm not coming back. I never left. Yeah, sure. That's my mindset, you know, but when you look at it externally, oh, he's coming back. I'm like, you, I've never, ever left in almost 10 years. Yeah. But um, why not, bro? You know what I mean? Like, I live a cool life. I can say some cool <laughs> shit, you know, yeah. and if I have my friend posting that, like I told you personally, though, there's, I don't know how many more years my body can really withstand, not the sport, but who I am as a person and how hard I commit to something. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's not that, you know, like I can drink the rest of my life, but not the way I drink. <laughs> like there's going to come a time in porn where it's like, hey, dog, it's time to slow down. Yeah. You know, like sure. pick up weed more or something. <laughs> whatever. Yeah. Whatever you're into. Yeah, whatever you're into. Psychedelics, what yeah, I'm saying. Oof, oof. I, got, I know a guy. I'm going to be on the porch just... Probably naked, but I'll be on the Which porch. Is, well, yeah. yeah, it's all how you perceive it, man. Are you really <laughs> naked though? You know what I mean? Maybe. Are you close with your flesh? <laughs> you know what I think is has been pretty cool about the whole journey so far is these small details, mm. the small things, right? Typical. So now injury has been a, a big social media topic, right? We're mm. talking about the injuries and the coming backs and the things, but like mostly when you see somebody come back from an injury, it's like first. 500 pound deadlift since my injury right but you're like okay but what was in between that oh and you have this very good view of like so um was that a conscience conscious thing to be like let me show you me yep. doing my fucking banded warm-ups and these small detailed things yeah and and, and i think you know i think gabby purposefully uh, especially after the anniversary episode yeah in our last episode slow down the pace he's like this is really the mundane yeah like this is real life for a lot of us it's sure. not just me this is real life it's it's not a <laughs> it's not i get to the gym and then foam roll and i'm talking to you like hey like what's your school looking like how's work how are the kids it's more like really fucking hate doing this and i wish i wasn't this way and i'm getting older and this hurts and this sucks but like you got to do it because it's not like I'm doing it to get through this session. It's like I'm doing it because I'm trying to be the best and I have to do this seven days a week now, six days a week, every fucking time. Yeah. And it's mundane and it's boring and it's terrible. And it's like not necessarily that we're going to make every episode about that, but it has to be a reality that when I told, like we said on many episodes and I've said for many years, it's like show me your struggle. Yeah. Please make me feel that you're human like uh, please have something relatable to me like you know the story of a guy that you know deadlifts 300 
and it's the best lift ever. And the story of a guy that does a world record and as an Olympian in their own ways are very unique. And they're going to have very special things to look at, obviously. The story of an Olympian, you know, the gold medal is probably something somewhat inspiring because of what you're going to. Sure. But for each person, it's a magnanimous story to tell. And it's both, it's like talking to a homeless guy and talking to a rich person. Both conversations have a very valued thing. It's, I'm not going to deny it for the other. I'm there for the story. I'm there for the, the minutiae. I need to know the little things that you did so that I don't feel crazy, that I don't feel alone, that, you know, <laughs> the lack of effort and the lack of motivation and the breaking of discipline is not just me. And, and I, you're right. Like, people have this perspective of me, and it's, I, it's both simultaneously flattering and bullshit when people look at me like oh you know nothing bothers mike everything bothers mike <laughs> you know mike never loses motivation mike always loses motivation right you know he never breaks discipline mike is actually a very undisciplined human being who has to discipline himself so he doesn't die and kill everything around him mm-hmm. so it's like it's the opposite like i've placed these standards above myself or a uh a rules of monk steves or rules in the scumbaggery lane where i have to do these things because I've realized that who I am sometimes in my inner nature is just not realistically practical. Let's be real. Sure. You know, let's let's be Jordan Peterson here. Let's come on, guy. There's always going to be a bigger, badder motherfucker. So let's be real. Yeah. And these episodes have been, um, and then truth be told, we do not pre- like just like us. There's no preparation. There's no theme. Yeah. It's we film the fucking session, and that's what happens. You know, he'll ask me certain questions, you know, and like I told him just like, oh, look, the way I do things with John is like this. He's like, yeah, it's going to be raw. I don't want people to think, <laughs> you know, because when you watch a lot of these things on YouTube, like they're all so pumped. Yeah. Oh, man, I'm hurt, but I feel so good. I'm so ready. I'm better than two weeks ago. I'm like, I feel like shit. I hate this. <laughs> I'm, I'm upset. Yes, my left yeah. leg is smaller. Like this hurts my feelings. Like I ain't bothered, yeah. you know, uh, but, you know, I, I also think that the way that the sport world is saturated um, with people not only getting hurt, but people having this misconception or misconstrued concept of how to get back in the game. It's, it's so Disney to me, Mm. you know, I don't want to listen to the person that looks like everything they do is great. Like I want to see that person that is in the, I can't, (laughs) I physically, don't get me wrong, I, I wouldn't mind aspiring to be that. I also think it's bullshit, but here we are. We're skeptical people. Like, I look at people like that, I'm like, you're a liar. Yeah. You are selling drugs to kids, for sure. That <laughs> You can't be this fucking positive. You're you a liar. around punching old ladies? <laughs> yeah, well, you know, I love my old ladies. Old guy's fine. But, you know what I mean? Like, or I was to say punching kittens, but that, that's a bitch that's funny to me. Um, but it's like, that's, now I have another chance. Yeah. You know, we started on the podcast. We started on YouTube videos years ago. We have this chance to be raw and open because I believe that the future of anything needs to have honest communication. We have sure. to have disagreements, right? So it's just another another platform for you to, but it's cool to see it too. Yeah, sure. You know what I mean? So that's kind of where we're at now where I do, and it puts pressure for me to win, but I love the pressure. <laughs> You know, I live, I thrive on that shit. You know, like, put that fucking pressure, man. Fuck yeah. Fuck yeah. And I hate it, but I love it. (laughs) You know, it's funny because, and again, we say this a lot, but people like us, and I think most of the people who listen to us are people like us, who very often will comment, you know, since I have my daughter and everything, and they're like, Hola, Michael, shout out. Man, you're so happy. And I'm like, yeah, I am very happy. 
But I, I'm, I'm gloom and doom too. Like that is me as a person. Like I am one of the four horsemen who's looking to I want just to give pestilence. Him. You know, like, and it, it's it's this. I'm not a show, man. You know what right. I mean? Like, right. I'm fucking real, just like you. And I go through all the same things that you do just because I, you know, have a good family life. I built that. But I'm still, I could very easily turn the corner. Right, because that's e- who I am. Ex- truly. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, and it's, I was watching this thing with Will Smith the other day. Um, and he was talking about method acting. It's very interesting to me. And he was saying he was he had sp- uh, talked to Jim Carrey and why you know a lot of these actors when they do method acting, they go crazy. Yep. And he explained method acting uh, in this conversation. He was doing like a Skype interview, and he say when you do method acting, you you start to think like your your character. You start to, you know, if your character doesn't like, let's say, like we have super fancy Fiji water here, yeah, but your character hates that. You start to condition your brain 24 hours a day to hate that particular thing. You start to like cigarettes. You you used to like whiskey, but now you like rum. And he says that after a while, after conditioning your brain consistently, that it's very hard because you start to subconsciously react to this character you're creating in your head. Mm-hmm. That when you're doing this for weeks at a time, days at a time, 24 hours a day, sleeping like this person, dressing like this person, talking like this person, reacting, etc., same semantics, accents, everything, that you have a really hard time and you a question pops in your head. And it's like, is who I am really who I am? Or is it a script that I've created just like I'm creating this script for this character? Right. Because who's going to tell me otherwise? And he says that's when people start to get a little funky because it's like, do I really like whiskey or is it just because I've created this script of who I think that I am mm-hmm. and that perspective and that pers- like that, that concept, it really stuck with me because if that's the case, our perception on anything, and I don't mean this to get crazy hard, but or crazy in the sense of, you know, identity crisis, but think about it. You know, if if you can really start to change your perspective on things and your tenacity and wanting to do something, who's to say that that's not really who you really are? And you have created this script to have defended yourself in the first place. Yeah. You know, and it, it kind of goes to show and to say what when we come from, you know, either troubled pasts or anything like that, that we were never this bad person. We were just presented with the script to fill in because we had to survive. Sure. And it's just like that saying, and I don't know if you've seen it before, but it's pretty popular. It's like, you know, two kid, two sons have an alcoholic father. One becomes an alcoholic and he says, that's because I saw my father. The other son never touches a drink the rest of his life and says, it's because I saw my father. Yeah. So same script, but, you know, performed differently. Yeah. And that's a big deal. And I know it sounds, to many, may may sound relatively far-fetched, but it's not. It's psychological perspective, which will lead deeply into what we're talking about with injury and pain. And that's one thing on the last episode that we talked about is <laughs> being in more pain and yeah. and how we perceive that. Because we've talked about it in other episodes, you know, there's pain, hurt, and injury. And how this came to be. And how important it was for me, I was on my way home from Daytona, On I was a coach in a USAPL, and it was a, a hardcore history by Carlin, 
and it said pain. I go, oh, fuck, cool, I'm in. Even though that uh, podcast, and I love his work, had um, discussed more about why we want to view pain, like even though there's three hours left because it's a long podcast. Yeah. That's the moment I message you because as I always do in the middle of the day, whenever I'm like, oh, I need you to remember this. Yeah. Um, how we have to view pain, like watching people get tortured or executed or like, the, you know, the gladiatorial games. Yeah. But when I saw that perspective, immediately my mind jumped to this. And I said, you know, what we've never done is that we typically skip pain and we jump right to injury. Yeah. Like we just, yeah, pain. And I'm guilty of this. So that's great. So I'm glad you brought that up because in episode five of the trials videos, you were talking about like, hey, I'm having a lot more pain today. You know, you say that and then you say, well, you know what? Pain is presence. Mm. So you've said that for a while, but do you remember when that thought first came to you and what inspired it? Yeah, well, that's a good question. I don't remember the exact time I said it, but it came after my spine injury. And I don't know if I want to call it an injury, but yeah, it was definitely an injury, I guess. Um, I was limited. Um, and I attribute injury to disorders, too. And I use those words um, in a parallel sense because being injured is like having a disorder. And I'm going to explain to you why in a second. And this is important. When I was injured, 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 and I decided to, well, I can't do anything. Those are the rules. I had nowhere to go. I didn't have my outlet. I didn't have the sport that I wanted. Um, and like that's why I was, again, I've been saying this for many, many years. My perspective on sport and training being therapy was completely thrown into the ground. It's like having a counselor and suddenly the counselor quits on you instead of you quitting on the counselor. Yeah. And I was very present. And then that year I started doing mindfulness meditation about being present. And I had come up with the, when I discussed with uh, Luke, or Lucas, um, I said, being in pain keeps me really present because when my back hurts for everything, like I cannot think about it. I have to brace. I have to move correctly. I can't. It's just like when you stub your toe. You never knew your pinky existed until you stub your fucking toe. Yeah. And now you're very present and protecting it. And I thought, wow, if I could just always be like this, I wouldn't have to either manifest pain or or manifest these things or get hurt in the fucking first place for me to be there and actual pain and then when i was injured like i said it disrupts daily activity you get um you can't walk or you have to have surgery or you can't use your arm or you have to take time off of work that's an injury that's an injury right it's a it's it's things are serious just like a disorder uh is something that limits you from day-to-day scenarios and it's not something that you can just say, like when people say, oh, I have you know PTSD. I'm like, hold on. yeah, You may be experiencing like a post-traumatic uh, thing or, or, or concept like nightmares or flashbacks. But to have the disorder means you cannot function your day-to-day what they call normal life, meaning going to work, having relationships with people. Uh, being able to speak with someone else, uh, maintaining friendship or romantic relationships. Yeah. You can't because the trauma has ruined that for you. And I mean it in every aspect. Not, I have a boyfriend, but I have PTSD. Hold on a second. You may be experiencing trauma because of this pain. And it's something where we took, I, and this is something that I'm going to do this episode, which I typically don't, but there's a, 
there's a UK article, this is a peer review article on what they call disorder. And, and I quote, a disorder could be defined as a set of problems which result in causing significant difficulty, distress, impairment, and suffering in a person's daily life. As the quote above shows, the Oxford English Dictionary defines disorder as an illness that disrupts normal physical or mental function. And it's fair to say that obsessive compulsive disorder ticks all those criteria. And this is why it says OCD, because we use OCD for everything. Yeah. Right. We, we bastardize that concept of of that. Everybody's got OCD. It's like, is it really OCD? It's no, it's just being obsessive compulsive or being super neat or being anal or anything like that. Yeah. And it, it's, imp- it's important to, to bring that up because it's like being injured. You can't just turn, throw the term loosely to people. And I'm speaking to my coaches. I'm speaking to my athletes. I'm speaking to generally people. When you say you're injured, you know, you can't throw that term lightly because that terminology comes with its own set of criteria that we all know is just being alive. Yep. But we're starting to mix the lines and bastardize the difference between being injured and hurt and being in pain and being in a, in a disorder and having like a legitimate trauma. Um, and it's not okay. And I'm going to sit here and say that some people need to shut the fuck up. You're out of your fucking zone. You know what I mean? Like yeah. you're out of your element, Donnie. You know, you, you're starting to have people who have either a lot of followers or a very misconstrued conception of what pain is, of what the proper protocol, I don't mean proper because that has to be relatively opinionated, but the protocol to preach needs to be dissected and correctly discussed. And I believe that today is going to be maybe the precursor or the discussion of anyone who wants to come after it. And we're looking at different things today. Yeah. You know, I said it in that episode, like, okay, physical pain. And this is, bro, this is what I've been obsessing about all fucking I don't want to say my whole life, bro, but it just manifested into something stupid this week, you know, and I was reading this article and and again, I'll look through it while we're speaking and stuff is I don't really want to stop the flow. Um, But look, look at the individual, right? Pain has been discussed. Typically the term disorder has been a medical terminology, meaning like from a surgical perspective or a doctor perspective, disorder means if you break your finger, you can't use your finger, fix the finger, you're good to go. This is the history of psychology and psychiatric work. It came from a medical perspective, meaning if you were depressed, the person would fix the issue and then you're good to go. And let me, let me challenge you real quick. Let me say something different. And that's how we treat pain and injury in an athlete, right? Not we, everyone. I'm not giving the green card for anyone who's a coach because this is a big issue to suddenly become a fucking therapist, even though in many cases we can be, but don't bastardize the concept. This is just an idea for you to have a little bit further insight and maybe question yourself and maybe to this, uh, despite the fact that we consistently study biomechanics, even though we're not scientists, even though we're not legitimate CSCS or fucking Stuart McGill, we'll sit there and fucking dive into books. We don't even know what the fuck they're saying, but we don't go much deeper into the psychology of the athlete. When a person comes to you that they're in pain, the biggest misconception that has been in general in the psychiatric world and the psychologist world is that we try to treat the issue, not the coping mechanism. If you come to me as an athlete and say your knee fucking hurts, a real coach is going to look at the entire being, the entire kinetic chain. Why does your right knee hurt? When does it hurt? On what? Describe it to me. What days? Furthermore, how are you treating this injury? 
what are you thinking? What are you feeling? What do you mean feel? No, feeling like you can see it in the athlete. Are you upset? Are you No, I'm fine. I go, fine is not a response. Because we need to discuss and to dig down into how you're coping with this. Here's an example. All my athletes have been hurt, and they will all continue to get hurt. We are in a fucking rough world. What I look for, what I can control, and where my expertise comes from is, what are they doing to cope? Are they staying quiet? Do they become distant? Do they walk in with their head down? Do they not bring their gear? Are they not eating correctly anymore? These are coping mechanisms of how they are perceiving this physical pain. This is a issue because this is also how they're going to react to mental pain because that physical injury for 99% of this fucking world and community, once you get physically hurt, you see someone's true colors. You see their fucking courage and their persistence and their perseverance because now you see how this person copes with pain because physical pain is literally on the bottom shelf of what mental and emotional pain really feels like, right? But suddenly you cannot use your knee, so now you can't train in your mind. You can't hang out with your friends. You can't compete with your buddies. You can't prove your coach. You can't show something. You can't make them proud. Now you're that injured person. It's the same thing as being left behind when somebody says, I'm not your friend anymore, or we're breaking up. A part of you has been cut off. How are you going to deal with this? What are the questions that you're asking in this scenario? Yeah. And I was fucking going bananas on that shit, dude. Like, I've lost my mind, bro. I'm like, okay, I need to stop because I'm fucking <laughs> don't have time for this. I'm not in Penn State anymore. Well, you know, I think, I think that a thing that you've really, really uh, touched on many times, which is the biggest, I think, problem with social media in general is that you can say things without responsibility. Okay, so it's very easy for you to say, well, my athlete's injured, you know, this is this and this is that, but then you don't take responsibility for the path you set them on. Absolutely, absolutely, and then (laughs) here's the thing. First of all, the terminology, and this is me going, being me, mental health is starting to become an umbrella for being a pussy. Okay, you must understand this. Oh, that's not good for my mental health. You know what's good for your mental health? Adversity. You know what's good for your mental health? Loss. You know what's good for mental health? Depression, anxiety, suffering, pain. As good as success, friendship, love, romance, being wanted. You know why? Because both those sides, (laughs) when people say, you're not good for my mental health, I'm like, bitch, I am good for your mental health. Because the person, look at that, the sheep, the wolf in sheep's clothing. One person that continuously licks your fucking ass and is always telling you great things and is, quote unquote, according to the Instagram or nonsensical bullshit that we're being fed, that gives you nothing but positive vibes, is probably the worst thing that could ever happen to you. I'm not saying that you need a person in your life that literally fucking calls you a piece of shit, but a person that challenges you, yeah, that you may not agree with, that causes you what? Stress, anxiety. I'll ask you a question, John. I bet you can remember all the teachers that piss you off more. And you look back, you're like, you know what? That was a better fucking thing than the teacher that always gave me an A plus because they felt bad for me. Yeah. Because, oh, he's he's not having a good day, so I'll pass. Or they didn't want to deal with your bullshit. As opposed to the teacher says, yo, you can't be late, dude. And you can't turn that in like that. 
Yeah. What did they cause you? Grief, anger. What are the best coaches in the fucking world? Those motherfuckers that speak right to your fucking soul and step on your dick. Like, yeah, you might have been strong there, doggy, but your form is a piece of shit. Yep. You know, I, I'm glad that you said that because recently I had a conversation and, and we were talking about my younger years. I've always had this weird thing now where when I look at, like, old pictures of myself, I, like, get uneasy. Right. Stomach turns. Like, I just... It's a, and I'm like, you know what? I'm going to be, I was talking to my wife actually about it. And I said, let me be completely honest with you. I don't remember a single happy time from life. I cannot remember a single happy moment. But I can remember all the times that I was stuck with some type of challenge or some type of adversity or, or just being bottom of the barrel where I had to fight. And now I'm this happy because of that. You know, it's a, it's like a list. And speaking of lists, <laughs> I saw something today on Instagram. I think one of my lifters posted it. And it said, like, what do people what people think PTSD is? And it's like one thing. And then it says, like, what PTSD really is. And I disagreed yeah. with this bullshit completely. But and it's a slippery slope because what PTSD really is. And it was like 30 things. Trauma, nightmares, flashbacks. Depression, anxiety, stress, isolation. I'm like, okay. You must understand that to be categorized as a disorder, it has to be not only a lot of those, but so much of those that you cannot function. Look, yep. dude, I got anxiety so bad sometimes that I wake up and feel like throwing up. Mm-hmm. Real life talk. As a man, I, wake, I go to bed sometimes and I can't fucking sleep because of the responsibility I put on myself. I also have trouble sleeping. I have these kind of concepts, right? But the perspective. And I'm not saying that PTSD doesn't exist, but have you when you really meet somebody with PTSD, it's like the saddest thing in the world. Yeah. They, you can't even really correlate with them anymore. They they're on a different avenue. And it's 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 something we need to understand. And we're speaking of and we're speaking of concepts here, right? We're we're talking about pain. And we're talking about, I'm not going to completely make this about PTSD. It's just an example because it ends with the word disorder and it correlates with the word injury and why injury and pain are two different things and why, why we're so silent about pain when it is the most consistent thing in our lives. Yeah. Injury and a disorder are like the peak. Yeah. You know what I mean? You need surgical help. You need professional help when you have a disorder you need what medicine psychiatric help psychologist help when you're injured you need surgery you need therapists when you're in pain it's pain mental pain and physical pain the first step yeah we need to become and i mean we because it's a lifelong process we need to be become more in tune we need to become more educated we need to ask better questions we need to be able to communicate what exactly this is causing in our lives. And I say this to you as, a, as somebody who has coached you. Yeah. How many times do I say in your fucking emails, but how are you feeling? Yeah. And that will literally force you to do something you don't want to do, which is to tell me how you're feeling. Because <laughs> nobody likes doing bullshit. that fucking bullshit. I hate it. I hate it. You know, uh, I, would, I would also like to kind of say... That some things, I think being exposed to so much terminology in terms of 
like mental pain and emotional pain would actually flip the switch for you. And I'll give you a perfect example. Um, maybe five years ago, uh, I was talking to my aunt who is a saint. The just she's yeah. perfect. She's I want to meet her. She sounds awesome. So um, she looks at me one day. I think I said this on the podcast before too. She looks at me one day and she just, you know, she has one of those. Uh, probably our grandparents look at us the most, where you can just feel love just beaming at you, and you're like, "Ooh, what is this?" You know, right? So she looks at me and she goes, "You know, I'm really proud of you." And I was like, "Wow, that's that's nice. Thank you." Like I didn't think anything of it. So you're like, "Yeah," and she, yeah, right? Like, okay. And uh, she's like, "No, seriously." She's like. You have really been through a lot of trauma and you came out on the other end. And I can't believe the man you are. And I was like, oh, shucks. That's, that's nice. Blah, blah, blah. So, but what happened was like two days later, I was like, the fuck does she mean? My <laughs> life was traumatic. Right. But then I started digging down into like what she was talking about and, and it kind of opened these doors. And I'm like, you mean to tell me that everyone had food in their fridge? All the time. <laughs> Weirdos. You had electric every day? What the fuck? And then I started like doing the math. But what it ultimately ended up doing is actually put me down a bit. Because then that door of the trauma started flooding through. And I was like, oh shit, I never really faced this stuff. <sighs> I just thought that was what we were supposed to do. But it was just to you. And... Okay, so man, I'm sorry, but I'm, <laughs> no, like, that pumps me up. Yes, go because. <laughs> okay, first of all, I'm not giving the green light for everybody here to think they're fucking, you know, a therapist or whatever the fuck, because that's the issue in the fucking first place. What I'm what I'm trying to do, and what I've uh, my strength has always been on the psychological perspective of athletes. That's been my strength. I may not be able to tell you exactly what muscle anatomically with its fucking name and Latin and fucking Sanskrit, but I do know how the chain works, etc. But one of the best things I've always done, and the thing that's the most fascinating thing, anyone who's a, any kind of psychology based, is how the individual needs to be treated, right? We will, and I've known a, a few guys, uh, like I mentioned, Paul is really good at this too when he writes nutrition, and a few of my close friends and why some coaches actually have phone calls and Skypes because they need to, I'm talking about coaches who don't have the luxury and the gift and also the responsibility and sometimes burden of dealing with a physical contact of a, of a lifter because that's mm -hmm. an entirely different level of commitment is we have to understand the person's mental perspective on things, right? Because when we treat an injury or a pain, we're just going to focus on the knee. Like I said earlier, Right. And this is a study that, I, because I went fucking bananas, it's Mental Pain and Suffering, the Universal Currencies of the Illness Perspective by Tom Sensky. Now, you guys want to get after it and you want to listen to it, please DM me. This is a rabbit hole of beautiful information because I'm fucking bananas. And one of the questions I ask myself is why pain is so unique to each person and physical and mental, meaning when somebody gets hurt, why that injury and their mental perspective is so unique so a knee, knee injury on you is not a knee injury on me so if i then we treat this anatomically as coaches right we'll say here oh it's because of your hip the way your hip is structured but we do understand this is something we'll touch base on later 
that chronic and consistent pain also has a direct scientific correlation based on emotional perspective, meaning your psychology on your injury can absolutely 100% affect how long, how hard, and how distant this pain will feel for the rest of your fucking life. Mm -hmm. If we accept that as a scientific truth, why don't we dive a little bit deeper as people, meaning I'm not only speaking to the coaches here because most coaches are probably going, yeah, you know, we kind of do this. I go, yeah, but you kind of sort of do it on the surface, dog. Because it's easier for you to read a textbook and how to rebuild Milo and talk to Stuart McGill, but it's going to be a little difficult for you to read a psychological journal because you think it's out of your realm of element or your realm of profession. It's not. Understanding and being educated is out of zero realms. I listen to the stock market and I try to learn shit. AMC, apes stick together. We will rise to the moon. (laughs) (laughs) Diamond hands, baby. I have no fucking idea, but why can I not learn, right? And let me get to the point because I'm going to see what I'm doing. I'm, I'm fucking rabbit holing because this might, this is something I'm, pain and psychology is literally why I went to school and I owe $60,000 to Penn State. And it, and, it's, and he says this and it's, and it's very interesting and why pain is so unique, right? And here's a quote. Uh, they stress that both an evidence-based approach and an incorporation of the patient's value are essential for optimal healthcare intervention. Meaning, when they deal with a person's mental pain, they have to individualize the practice, not to the whole general population, but to this particular person. So what is the concept of mental health? And I quote, this is mold. Health must ultimately ultimately be defined by each individual and therefore will be different for the different individuals and at different points in time. Thus, a goal-oriented outcome measure, and this is the concept, goal-oriented outcome is where they're trying to change the way they do this. A goal-oriented outcome measure should not only focus on achieving goals rather than reducing problems, but crucially must also take account of the individual's values and preferences for the same reason a genuinely goal-oriented approach is also person-centered measures which are problem-based do not take account of an individual value and preferences and so do not qualify as a person-centered so what this fucking means is that when somebody is in pain that it is a particular not only physically but psychologically into that person how do they grab the leg how did they how did they react when they get hurt what was their did they cry did they scream did they get angry are they are they not coming back to training are they not communicating with you these are red flags because that means to us as not only coaches but friends bro bro i wish and I, I don't make this mistake ever again because I fucking never make this mistake again. These red flags stand to me like beacons in the night. You want to talk about lighthouses, bro? Look into a person's eyes and the reaction to pain and difficulty. You know when they're slipping away. It's not about posting on Instagram. I'm alone. Yeah. It's bullshit. How are they? De- Look at that athlete, bro. Look how many have slipped through our fingers. Right? When you see how they're, they're trying to tackle adversity, do they punish themselves? Do they get mad at you? How are we having these discussions with our athletes? More importantly, I'll challenge you. How are you having this discussion with yourself? 
when something really hurts, bro, mm. and your fucking knee hurts or your elbow hurts and you can't do what you set out to do, how directly does that correlate to life? You lose someone. You lost your job. Somebody's disappointed. You broke somebody's heart. You can't physically touch this person anymore. What are you going to do? What are your coping mechanisms going to be? Why so? Why they directly correlate? It's not anecdotal anymore, dog. <laughs> yeah. This is real. And why coaching and being an athlete and having the ability to, as a, as a person, to have insight in your emotion could save your life, but your friends need help because you need to ask that question too. And these are the conversations I wish I would have had with Bake a million times. Yeah. And the reason why we do some of these episodes and we look like bleeding fucking hearts is because we've had this conversation with ourselves. I'm only echoing and you are just echoing the conversations that you are having with yourself in the middle of the night that keep you the fuck up. That people would say it's PTSD. Bullshit. Yeah. It might be the only reason you're saving a life. And how important it is and and i hope you're following because when you say mental health understand that there's not a blanket concept it's right. it's it's in there man there's and something that you said in there that i really am thinking about um you know because just with the events obviously recently and you know uh you brought up bacon so i think that you mentioned recognition and i think that that is something that <clears throat> Social media kind of uh, has this tendency to uh, pull a blanket over the simplified ways to find recognition in your friends where they're slipping away. You know, I'm not good at recognizing, but I relentlessly pursue the conversation. That's how I do it. Right. Um, But if you were, let's say that you could coach it. Let's just say here are three things that I think you could do to help you recognize that exact thing, someone slipping away, whether it be from their injury or their mental health or their emotional pain. You know, uh, there has to be some type of, I guess, process that I think we're all losing. Right. So what do you think we can do? I'm going to, that's a good question. Um, This is why I said this could be like nine episodes long. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I'm going to take the responsibility and say, I wish I can make this part one of five, but I'm too tired. <laughs> and this is something that is uh, deep in my heart. So things that are deep in my heart, I only give enough. And not because I don't want to help. It's because it, there's also a lot of emotion attached to it. And as a provider of information, I have to do it professionally in the sense of, yes, I have my opinion here, but I need to do more analyzing before I make everything biased, which I don't want to do. And first, first and foremost, it's having these discussions in the fucking first place. That should be the number one priority, not only as a friend, but as a coach, as an athlete, having these things where you ask somebody the questions that they don't want to hear. Why are you coming in late now? Why did you jump off your diet? Oh, I'm tired. I go tired from what? Why Why do you come in here with that face? That's that's my favorite. What's wrong with your fucking face? That's my favorite. Yeah. What do you mean? I go, what do you mean what? No, it's just that. It's just that what? And sit there. 
and take it and take the awkwardness. It's the avoidance of awkwardness that breeds a social cowardice. Say that again, please. It is is the avoidance of awkwardness that breeds social cowardice. I understand if you don't want to confront a random person at a bar, but when the fuck do we become so scared that we can't even confront our friends? That's not a problem. That is a privilege, my friend. It is a privilege to come up to somebody that you love and be like, you're not okay, dude. And let them get mad. Mm-hmm. Let them let get weird. Seriously. Yeah. We cannot stand by idly and watch awkward videos on the internet and think it's silly. And then we have the chance to use this awkwardness as a confrontation to save a life. And we just simply dance by it because it's going to make us uncomfortable. Because it's a lot easier to be psych- to be uncomfortable under a weight of a bar than the uncomfortable feeling of being under the weight of your friends. Fuck you. And you can't come at me. <laughs> you can't come at me and say that you're strong and committed and you love the community and you love this shit, but you shy away from any time somebody's going to look at you like a bad guy. Look, let me tell you something. I am a bad guy. I've never painted myself a good guy. Fuck that. But one thing I'm not is I'm not a pussy and I'm not a coward. And I'm loyal to my friends. And I know what the fuck needs to be done. I may not do it all the time. But that's the only thing I've ever said. And this concept and these things need to be priority. So if number one, it should be the only one. Just like rule one and two of Fight Club is you don't fucking talk about Fight Club. Well, guess what, Doug? You talk about problems, dude. You talk about pain. You talk about perspectives. Tell me your coping mechanisms. You think I don't see right through you when you say, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine. That's a red flag. Yeah. How can we can look at an athlete warming up? And I'm talking about when you're, when you're in it, bro. Like when you, this is a person that you're near and dear to. Obviously, you can't just suddenly start to be like to a random lifter. Hey, why do you cut yourself at night? Like, come on, dog, stop. <laughs> but you look at a lifter and they're squatting. This. Fucking <laughs> they're like, there's nothing wrong with that. But I just keep it on the arms and the thighs. Um, you you want to, <laughs> sideways, you want to make sure that when you, when let's say somebody's squatting shifted. Yeah. Oh, God, up in arms. Yeah. You got to do this, 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 and this. But they come in and they have tears in their eyes. What do most people do? Hey, just a little pat on the back. Uh-huh. Take it easy today. <laughs> you don't have to know why they're crying. Mm-hmm. You have to tell them that there's other options. That there's nothing wrong with crying. There's nothing wrong with being sad. But that you have other tools in the arsenal. That taking control of the day, of the hour, of the minute feels good. That when they leave and you tell them, you see, you can do it. Is worth more than you shying away from looking at somebody's broken heart. And you're going to fucking come at me and tell me that you're committed to your fucking people. (laughs) Bro. And it starts with education. Number two, educate yourself. You don't look, dude, I don't, I'm not going to write a therapy book on the spine. I'm not. I'm not going to write the next Rebuilding Milo by Squat University because that guy's on another level. He deserves it. Yeah. 
I'm not going to write the next shoulder rehab like Locke. But that never stopped me from reading those books so I can provide information and more importantly, insight to what I don't know. To make me more of a fundamental basin and not a puddle. Give me the fucking valley, not the plains. Like I want to be, I want to have depth, bro, not just fucking distance. You ever heard that? 100 miles, 100 miles wide, three feet deep? Fuck that. About 100 miles deep, three feet wide, bro. I want to be in there. I want the information. When did we stop reading these books? When did it become okay to look at nobodies on the internet? Giving us psychological nonsense, anecdotal evidence. What, why did we stop reading what I just read in two minutes on the internet? When did we stop reading the DSM? When so many people started bastardizing psychology like it's a living room conversation. No, dude. It's a fucking, it's a system that has been on for over a hundred years. That has been asking questions based on empirical evidence and studies. When did we as coaches and athletes and people stop diving deep not just to fucking uh, no offense to self-help books that are anecdotal at best when when why would we read a fucking literally anatomical uh, whole perspective on book on the science of the squat but we won't understand or even die deep by the anatomical or psychological or physiological response to stress and depression based on injury when the fuck did we stop doing that and why you know why because it's hard bro it's a lot harder to tell you and to deal with your broken heart and your misconstrued perspective of pain management than to fix your stupid knee. But guess what? That knee's going to hurt again, dude. And then your other knee's going to hurt. And then your shoulder. And then life's going to happen. And you're going to lose someone. Now what? Am I going to abandon you? How far do you spiral down the well? I, I, I definitely, like, I, I think that for many years now, and I've tried to get far away from it, um, is that we've preached this, uh, I don't know what you would call, you probably would know better, but it's like when so stoic, when somebody's stoic, stoicism, right? yeah, right. So Marcus Aurelius, um, when I lost my mother in the summer of 96, right. And when I found out she was dead, my response was what I know now is shock. Right, I didn't know how how to even react. One, I had never been nurtured into understanding how I should react about this loss. But what was said to me over and over again that beat this pattern of response into me was, wow, you're so strong. You're not even crying. You're so strong. Right. And they they basically created this pattern in me that I started to believe that silence was strength. Oof. Oof. It was the exact opposite. It was feeding off the tree of despair over and over again and just going further and further, further and down away from relationships and all of these things. And it's it, it kind of ties into exactly what you're saying, that it's easier to just tell people your silence is strength, your face with because I'm facially expressive. Right. So if I'm having a bad day, you yeah. see that shit across the room. Right? <laughs> yeah. It's rare, but it, I've seen it. I've if seen you it. You can feel it. Yeah. If I don't like somebody, you know right away because I cannot fake my face. And it's just one of those things that, like, if I came into a room with that stoic 
straight face every time, people who really know me would be like, what the fuck is going on? But only the people that really know me and really the only people that have taken time to call me out on like, what's up with your face? Which is funny that you said that because <laughs> I'm like, God, I hope it never says that. Oh, it's this coming. Motherfucker. I get, and mostly t- typically when I see it, I'm like, I say it. I'm like, what's with your fucking face? Yeah. And everybody's like, no, I'm like, bro, look. And I, that, and I fucking quote, that's, I, I've always said that. And I've had the luxury, um, I've been very lucky was Wes. I've gotten better at hiding my faces. You, I'm, I can have a face, but you can feel when I'm mad. Yeah, I can be like looking at you straight, but it's like a, it's like a mutant power. Like Mike's mad, and I can just be like smiling at you, and everybody's like, I, it resonate, yeah. discomfort or anger. Like that's a, that's weird, man. And I don't believe so much in energies or whatever some people do. I don't even have to. It's a, it's a presence. Like I change everything. Maybe it's body language or pheromones or whatever. But Wes. Always used to catch me on that. And it would be anything. He'd be like, let's go for a run, boy. And of course, it was a lot better when he ran because he was slow at the time. And I was like a fucking gazelle. Um, but he you did have this. to be like 100. I was 180 pounds. Dude. Jesus Christ. So awesome. I was so ripped. Um, <laughs> nothing hurt. Um, he did this for me. You know, and it was uncomfortable until it wasn't. And it was just like training, and it's just like everything else in life. It is uncomfortable to discuss your feelings and to be asked questions, and especially in front of a mentor, your coach that I look up to like as a brother, as a father, as a leader, extremely uncomfortable and vulnerable. And I felt ashamed to tell him my weaknesses and ashamed to admit to him that, I was I didn't want to fight and I was tired of running and that my fucking body hurts and why are you down because of this in life and that in life and it's hard bro but that life is suffering it's your management and the gift to be alive I was just discussing this I'm going to I'm going to get the super sidetracked but fuck it yeah this is science, we might just call this the side <laughs> science has shown us that just being alive is a biological and scientific miracle the, the the exact perfect timing of not only your ancestors, the weather, your genomes, the fucking connection of those two, for you to be who you are with the same hair, eye colors, beard, everything, for you to be who you are is literally an anatomical anomaly. You are literally a scientific miracle, meaning one in trillions of a chance to be who you are is almost impossible. And it's something if you're a dork like me and watch Watchmen, when he comes to realize and Dr. Manhattan goes, being who she is is like turning air into gold. Meaning it only happens and, you know, we have this constraint. So the fact that you're alive and you're able to express and think and theorize and be a philosopher and a bad person, whatever, is a gift. And the fact that you have the ability to express it and lean on someone else is even more impossible because you're looking at two and relatively impossible things happening at once, two miracles coinciding on something, whether it's love or hate or whatever. Okay, let's look at that. And that's science. This is not me on shrooms telling you how cool the world is. This is a reality. (laughs) And I'm sitting here next to this person that I am, I love deeply and essentially fearful of. 
because I can't let them down. And I used to have this constraint like everyone else. If I tell you that I'm tired, then I'm letting you down. When in reality, it's I'm telling you, if you ask, that I'm tired, but I'm showing you that I'm not going to quit what reality comes from. I'm not just going to blurt it out. Yeah. But when somebody asks me a question, it's a gift for me to answer. And I do it. Moving forward in this concept is how you ask yourself and how you move forward on this. And I, and I, I can't express this enough. I have been lucky enough to be put in this scenarios where I've had to have these conversations with people. And I have had to answer the questions that I really don't want to do because silence had never got me anywhere. Never. Mm-hmm. Never. I felt, and in my 20s, you couldn't tell me otherwise, dog. <laughs> because I was 24, 25, nothing hurt. The handsome, elite years. Handsome as fuck. What a hairline. Oh, my God. Hairline? I had fucking beautiful. You never think I was going to lose my fucking hair. I had that mohawk, those beautiful curls. Stupid dimples. Fucking stupid dimples at 190 with a six-pack. Dick. Fucking, I was like, hey, what are you doing for fun? Oh, I'm a Muay Thai fighter. <laughs> Sploosh. You know what I mean? Like, there I was. And it never got me anywhere, man. It never did. What it did, what it created was this kind of facade for mm-hmm. me. And here we are. I'm 37 now. It's 13, 14 years later. And it was, and, and, and let's bring it back, right? Let's bring it back a little bit before, you know, I get, let's get back on this planet before I get Rick and Morty on your ass, <laughs> which is coming. Um, when you said to me about, you know, things hurt more and, you know, these are pain. And I have here in my notes, it's funny that you say that because you you had already sent me the outline before uh, I sent you my notes because I typically don't, like you guys know, I don't script anything, but I wanted to have a little bit more of a, um, a peer-reviewed psychological perspective, not just me making shit up, like, which I typically do in such a great fashion. But there's an article here that's called The Concept of Mental Pain by Eliana Tosani, um, down in Bologna, Italy, if you guys want to look it up. And she's in the Department of Psychology there. And she did a great article, which I loved um, dearly, actually. And they talk about different types of mental pain. But there was one that was um, pretty interesting to me and why physical pain correlates to psychic pain. And it's like, and this is uh, to quote Sandler, define psychological pain as the, as the affective state associated with discrepancy between ideal and actual perception of self. Let me continue this a little bit further. And what is emotional pain? And I said, refer to physical pain up top. This is what I did. Bulger, uh, to quote Bulger and his studies, defined emotional pain as a state of feeling broken, that involved the experience of, experience of being wounded, loss of self, disconnection, and critical awareness of one's more negative attributes. Essential characteristics of emotional pain were described as a sense of loss or incompleteness of self and an awareness of one's own role in the experience of, of emotional pain. And what does this mean to us athletes? How often, how often when you are hurt and you're really in in the gutter, and I mean hurt, pain, injured, when you lose yourself, you feel disconnected, 
and you become, as it says here, to quote, and critical awareness of one's more negative attributes. Maybe I drink too much. Maybe I don't rest too much. Yeah. Maybe I don't eat right. When have you been gifted these things is what I would say. When do you finally understand why do we have to get to injury when pain is the biggest speaker of our lives? That is the biggest voice. And this is something, and I don't mean to, same thing, gift of injury about the gift of pain. Yeah. And I'm yeah. just coming with this recently because I'm not injured anymore. I mean, I'm, I'm scared of being injured. I think anyone can say that. Sure. But what's the biggest echoing voice right now in my body? It's pain. It's not injury anymore. It's pain, like resilience, you know. It's just there. It's echoing in my brain. Emotional pain, doubt, fear, anxiety, awareness of one's own negative attributes as I fucking drink whiskey as I'm going to train tomorrow. Hmm? But think. And I'm telling you these guys because... There's never been more evident of a time when you see someone truly for their ideas and their emotional capacity than when they're in pain. Yeah. And I'm not saying crying makes you a weak person because that's not what I'm talking about. It's like, why did you cry? And how many more times will you cry? And this is something that I think is super important because when we made this fucking video and the whole point of this whole video was like, hey, man, I'm in pain. And you can see the dichotomy of my perspective. I hope you see. I saw that video and I studied myself because who else will I study? You can see me trying to go back and forth between my brain going like trying to figure, oh, yeah, I'm discouraged. But this is like I'm going to push forward. Like you can see me struggling with myself. You can see me being real. Like I want to be that positive guy. But at the same time, like don't be too positive, pussy. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like you're fucking hurting. Like. And that's important because it should be a struggle. It should be the conversations that we're having with ourselves and learning to articulate these things. It's huge. Exactly like you said. And, and, and also understanding that there's a shift, that there's always going to be a shift in the way you approach things. Absolutely. Uh, here's a great example. You are a coach and mentor for me, right? Ugh. I am older, right? I'm 39. I'll be 40 next year. You're prime. Okay. We always talk about, obviously, I met you first at Miami's, but I didn't really get to talk to you. The first time I really got to talk to you was after the bake situation. Right. So one thing that I recognized right away was the pull, right? Something about you was not right, and it was pulling me to you, pulling right. me to you. And normally, my old self would just be like, eh, whatever, that's weird. But something was right. And then... For a split second, I got you to kind of open up about what was going on. I said, hey, man, you all right? Mm. And you told me what happened. And you said, I'll be okay. And I said, no, you won't. (laughs) (laughs) Right? But I think that's important to recognize because there's always a shift between us, right? And that's the responsibility we have to our friends is sometimes you have to be the one who steps in and takes over the conversation, right? This is my field of expertise, Okay. Right. I know you're not going to be okay, but I'll tell you what, now you have me. Right. And you're not alone in this thing. Sure. But when it comes to the things that I need, just like you do, like, 
hey, boy, you really okay? And I'm like, Ugh. <laughs> Come on, man. That's one of my favorite yeah, we're things. We're in public, bro. We're in a bar. It's my favorite place. I'm like, what? Public discussion and, and, and emotional instability? I'm in. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I think that that, again, we talk about responsibility. We talk about emotional pain. We talk about all of these things. And, again, part of it is recognizing the responsibility within ourselves to the people we're around. Right. Not just our athletes, not just our friends, not just our family, but even in some cases, what we would define as a stranger. <laughs> Which is always going to be one of our best conversations, isn't it? Isn't it? And, it? and here's something to further this concept that you just said. <clears throat> um, of course... Of course, this is going to come up because, of course, it is. And I'm not going to shy away from it. But there was a, a sub part. I can't do it now because I'm on the Instagram live. But trust me when I read it, and I'll quote it to you guys later. If you're, Like I said, if you guys are interested in these things. Um, actual research. Actual research. And let me say that again. Actual research. Not just the Googles. No, and not just anecdotal like. Oh, you know, I had a fucking disorder and I threw up after every meal when I was 14 or 17. No offense, but that doesn't make you a person that should give psychological treatment or advice. You may give some sort of experience and overcoming tactics, but be very careful what you're doing and what you're saying. It's a very slippery slope. Mm -hmm. And I just want to say that, like, and I say this openly this is not psychological advice, and I'm not giving you uh, financial advice to invest in AMC, which you should, or BlackBerry. But I discussed something. It was one of the subcategories on the, on the thing that we just saw, and it was emotional pain and suicide. Of course, I'm going to fucking get yeah, after it. Yeah, we have to. Yeah, of course. I, mean, I, I was like, oh, well, duh. And it was one of the, uh, it was one of the subparts of it. And it was actually fascinating to me where it said non-suicidal people have a um, very low correlation between stress and bodily harm. High or suicidal people have a very low, you know, low concept of that and bodily harm and, and, and stress. Meaning when somebody who is non-suicidal and gets really uh, upset and gets really hurt is more aware of bodily harm things meaning if they go out drinking or they cut themselves or they get upset that it hurt they're aware that this is like hey i'm doing this to my body they have a high sensitivity to physical self-induced pain so they're more likely to stop right because it's like hey this is not a good idea and I'm suicidal and relatively destructive perspectives are they have a very low perspective on that, meaning the more damage they do to themselves, they don't conceive that or perceive that as a damage to themselves. They just don't have either whether it's a physical, uh, biological, physiological response or an emotional attachment to pain, meaning when they get stressed, they're going to physically hurt themselves and not see it as anything other than deserving or or uh part of the process and let me let me challenge you 
and I, I just brought this up this morning at the battle action. When someone is really stressed out, and I mean they are in a bad place, typically there's two, there's two paths. One person doesn't come to the gym at all. The other person completely and utterly destroys themselves every day on the minute. They do max deadlifts. They crush themselves. They go at it. They just want to destroy themselves. Which one would you applaud? I know which one I have always applauded. Ignorantly so. Because, because people have painted lifting as a therapy source, as a cathartic source, which I understand to a degree. Is it more valuable to... To go deadlift instead of, you know, go shooting yourself or hurting yourself? Yeah. Oh, yeah, of course. But what are we doing here? We're putting lipstick on a pig. Huh. Yeah. What questions are we asking that person? This came to me like a fucking rocket, dog. I'm like, that's me. Or it was me, specifically. I would get stressed. Besides alcohol and drugs myself into the fucking floor, I would go into that gym and utterly fucking break myself in half and I would be applauded like a god. Good job, bro. Fuck yeah. Look at you, deadlifting for reps, getting mad. What what the fuck was I doing? No one challenged me. Why? Because it was looked upon like a badge of fucking honor. Mm -hmm. How great that you're dealing with this distress and disorder by doing the red flags of somebody who one day won't have that gym and will turn to what? What other way can I damage myself? This is, bro, when I saw that line, dude, I almost threw my phone across the fucking room. I go, holy shit, how many of us are like this? Yeah. How many of us have, and I don't mean to go into the gym and lift, Stick to the fucking plan. I used to tell that bake all the time and it breaks my heart as I touched his cold, dead fucking hands. I said, you should have stuck to the fucking plan. And look, look what we do. Right? We get, we get flustered. We get hurt. We get, what do we do? Somebody breaks our heart. We get left. Somebody dies and we go into the gym and we crush ourselves and it's like, no, bro, because that's the precursor to something big. Why don't you say, you know what takes a lot harder? Discipline is sticking to your protocol, homie. Yeah. I said five by five by 70%. That doesn't mean you take a max deadlift. That's right. Tr bro, trust me on this one. Because one day your body and your choices are not going to let you do this anymore. So what are you going to fucking do? <laughs> this to the max, bro. And then so on and so forth and everything that comes with it. What questions are we asking our lifters when you see this? What things are you telling your fucking friends when they're doing this? You know what you're not doing? Nothing. Until it's too late. This, this, I'm not making this up. The correlation, maybe. Because I don't, you know, aside from, I spoke to Crystal from the Healthy Mind Movement today, who's writing her dissertation on this. So don't think that I'm just making this up. And obviously, she's way more educated than me. But we have a mutual respect because of our fundamental love of psychology, of science, of peer review, the respect for the science 
not only medicinal like in psychiatry but also its perspective and its growth over the last years and how it affects a lot of us in the community that are relatively damaged people trying to express ourselves in a very physical sport that eventually leads to a fucking slippery slope of issues but let me explain something to you this is empirical evidence it shows us that people that have a low perspective on bodily harm and have a have suicidal self-destructive tendencies sometimes those signs are right in front of you and we're just applauding it i'm not talking about the guy that has a bad day or the girl that you know has like a a bad issue no relax bro yes i'm talking about somebody that goes through some real trauma and you see them slowly destroy themselves you know what we'll criticize the person that you know skips the gym and stop oh you're a fucking pussy but that which is another 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 way of being this it's the same thing you don't go to the gym, you stop training, you stop eating, you stop socializing with your teammates is the exact same thing as getting off your plan, maxing every day, getting a bunch of steroids in your fucking system, being a fucking badass, getting the next meat that's the next one so you can kill yourself. And then you get to that meat and you cry and everyone is like, oh my God, you know why you did that meat? Because you don't have coping mechanisms to fucking deal with reality. Because guess what? One day those meats are going to run out, dude. You're not going to have any more meats. You're not going to have any more steroids. You're not going to have any more sports. What did you learn in this fucking world? What did you do? Bro, I'm asking the hard questions. You know why? Because I'm asking me these fucking questions every day. What happens when strongman runs out? And I learned that when they told me that I'd never compete again. They said, you're done, homie. And I put that gun to the fucking side of my face. And I go, well, what the fuck's the point? And now I look back and I'm like, what the fuck were you doing, guy? Because nobody had asked me this question. Yeah. No one said to me, hey, man, that's not okay. Stick to the fucking plan. What's your, what's your, what's your diet like? What's your nutrition like? What, where are you supposed to be at? Fuck that, man. I'm just coming in hardcore. Hey, that's not okay. Well, what, what are we supposed to do? It said five by five, but I'm not a pussy. I'm going to max out. I've, you know, man, I, I lost my dad, so I'm just going to fuck. That's what your dad would have wanted? That's, what, that's how you're going to honor your, your fucking memory of your lost one? By not sticking to the fucking plan? Yeah. Don't fucking come at me that my grief is different than yours and my mental health. Shut the fuck up. You're wrong, dude. You're wrong. You know what fucking honors your loved ones? Being yourself. And your, yourself that sticks to the plan and sticks to those fucking things. The same person that made them laugh and smile when they were alive. That is honoring a lost one that is that is fixing trauma but we don't have those conversations no more because when's the last time you took one of those guys that's a friend of yours and go amen because you know if they're at the bar getting drunk and puking you're like oh we need to have an intervention he's a piece of shit but he's at the deadlift bar driving himself into a thousand pieces cutting his fucking lifespan short in the sport you're like you're a badass no you're not a badass dude let me tell you from experience, that position and that choice comes from a pace of being a fucking coward. Because if I hurt myself enough, I'm more focused on feeling broken physically than dealing with the emotional dysfunction that I'm trying to fucking smother. But now we know 
And it's on the fucking thing that I'll quote. I'll post these motherfucking network articles online. I swear on my fucking life. That physical pain is a direct correlation with emotional pain. And more th- and furthermore, and it's something that we talked about, and I'll talk about when I sign off, that emotional perspective has a direct correlation with chronic pain. So literally, <laughs> literally, and this is a scientific relatively fact, you know, fact, a theory, that the way you perceive how you're hurt is going to directly impact how much it hurts, how long it hurts, and how well you can function in what you want to do, which is what? Sports. As a human being. This, this, my friends, is the real fucking question. This is the real lesson of pain. Don't fucking come at me. Don't tell me that this is just my opinion. It's not my opinion. Yeah, you know, the curse words and the sassiness and the perspectives and the concepts and a little bit of, you know, the rhino concept and the old wolf. Yes, I get it. But these you're looking at studies and why these things correlate directly to us as athletes. How are you coping? Are you the person that shows up and sticks to the plan? I promise you that your idea of doing that is probably better. Are you doing the rehab that you did prior to trauma? Is stress suddenly taking you out of who you are? That's never going to go away. So suddenly you don't foam roll or you don't do your big three because things are getting out of your control. So what are you going to do instead? You're going to lift yourself into the ground and be applauded like some fucking fake warrior. No, not in a million years. And these questions need to be asked of those around you right fucking now. And if you don't know these questions, then read a fucking book. Go online. Ask people who are educated. Why can we have seminars and this is, this is going to change because you know I'm going to fucking change this because this is what I always do. Why are we having seminars with only anatomy-based lifters and nothing with sports psychology? Nothing. Why? Because suddenly counselors are a bunch of fucking weirdos? Because we're, we're all a bunch of nobodies, right? We're just like your, your cool uncle that can give you life lessons. <laughs> Everybody's so, perfectly mentally healthy. Yeah, no, and everybody, everybody is. You know what? They, you know why this is a new, this is, this is true. This is fucking true. Everybody's their own mental health coach. Everybody can be a mental health guy. <laughs> everybody, everybody. Just like, you know, because it's so bastardized to thinking like, I can't give you medical advice. You know, like what Tylenol to take. But I can surely tell you how to cope with your psychological damage. Until that person cuts themselves or dies and you're like, well, you know. There's no real empirical evidence that I fucked you. That's not fair. You're looking at a legitimate, there's a doctorate for, for psychology because there's a fucking doctorate for psychology. Yep. And I, like I said, I, 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 hate, I don't bring it up often. I hate it. But I went to school for it and I still shut the fuck up for it. Yeah. I got motherfuckers who never went to school, right, and are giving me anatomical advice on the squat. And I'm not saying that school is better than the other, but I surely respect the fact that school and experience is a lot better than just experience or just school, right? I mean, duh. You get best of both worlds. Sacrifice, knowledge, getting that textbook science and that science and all that math, and then you get your experience, and the fucking works. Both matter. 
You know, it's like looking at somebody like Dr. Locke and Stuart McGill who have both education and experience and be like, oh, well, yeah, what do you say to that? Oh, you know, Stuart McGill has never deadlifted a thousand pounds. You're going to tell him otherwise that he's a dumbass on the spine? <laughs> yeah, for real. And that guy's school smart, smart, wicked smart. Was so fucking smart. So fucking smart. What a fucking guy. So when I tell people that and I, I get into those perspectives, man, I'm like, I get into it into a fucking barrage of shit because it's real, man. This is this is this is this is the conversation. I I came into this episode heated, dude. Yeah, because I'm sick of it. Like I'm sick of it. I'm sick of like people that have no business talking about the psychology of the lifter and coping mechanisms and and applauding bullshit mental tactics. And that it's when it comes to. How to deadlift and how to squat. There's only one fucking way and they don't break this rule. This is the outline, you know? Yeah. This is the basis of the deadlift. It's it's going to change from individual to individual. Why don't we have that in a psychological perspective? Because we're too... Because it's based... No, no, dude. There's 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 got to be... And there is an outline. There's got to be a base. That's okay to say yes. Anyone will tell you that in the, in the in the study of psychology, yes, you're right. They call it the soft science in a very bastardized way, by the way. They call it the soft science because there has to be a little bit more what? Attention to the individual. When you come in for fucking colon cancer, they're going to fix your colon and the surgeon's going to be. You want me to tell you a fucking story, dude? The guy that fixed my dad's knee, the surgeon that fixed my dad's knee has no idea. You're talking about a knee surgery and he's a badass knee surgery with great bedside manners. Has no idea how to rehab my dad's knee. None. My dad is in pain for three months because his rehab, uh, because he didn't listen to me, is shit. Yeah. You know why? Because that's what they, they're paid to focus on that one thing. Yep. When you're a psychologist and a psychiatrist and a counselor, you have to treat the individual. Did he, did they know that my dad was, you know, he's going to get depressed. He's going to have a hard time. He's 73 years old that there's a feeling of emasculation. What's his coping mechanism? They ask how he deals with grief. No, bro. And I'm not criticizing the medical world. It's too much work. That's why they call psychology a soft science and in a bastardized way again, because there's so much to do for the individual, but there's an underlying baseline outline of somebody who's depressed. That's it's for the most part across the board, the same. When somebody is schizophrenic or bipolar, which everybody likes to be bipolar. No, no. There is a legitimate thousands of people study with this legitimate disorder. Let me say that word again. Disorder that have this. This isn't a, a you don't get to choose this. Yeah. You don't you don't go to your doctor and be like, hey, by the way, I think my leg's broken. You want to cut that open? But we go. I'm pretty sure I have bipolar because I read some bullshit online. That says I have it because I feel good and, and bad sometimes. You know what that's called? It's called paying rent, fucker. It's called being an adult. Yeah. You know when I feel good? When I pay it. As soon as I pay it, I feel bad because it's $1,700 in my dick hole. I'm not fucking bipolar. I can tell you that right fucking now. Right. But look, bro. Look what's going on. We're blurring that fucking line. We're solidifying. We're solidifying the anatomical biomechanical sense of the lifter and we're shunning and watering down and bastardizing the whole fucking school of thought of sports psychology of emotional pain we're completely just kind of mixing that up into a bullshit puddle when that is probably the biggest thing we need to focus on 
fixing a knee is really easy. Having a difficult conversation with your lifter based on pain mechanisms and coping mechanisms mentally and how they deal with injury is a lifelong commitment to sport. And guess what? It's really hard to do that online, dog. So don't fucking come at me. So if you're, then let me tell you something right fucking now, dog. If you're paying a lot of money for a coach and he's not discussing with you or asking you for updates or asking you for mental clarity or asking you questions or, or, or challenge you on your mentality of how you train, how you lift, how you perceive yourself, how you're going to compete, open your fucking eyes. Because you can't come at me with this bullshit online that you're a coach and this is my shit and I love this. And you're just fucking half-assing my bullshit because you read three anatomical books. And you know what the latissimus dorsi is, you fucking piece of shit. But you have no idea. No idea about basic mechanisms and how people can quickly sink into a legitimate diagnosed depression based on one injury alone. You want to try and sit there and counsel a high-level athlete that's been injured? You want to see a psychosomatic fucking spiral of bullshit? Do that, homie. Nah, bro. No, no, no. It's out of my realm of, of, of expertise. I guarantee you that biomechanics is not your expertise either, Papa. <laughs> sorry <to say> <laughs> let me tell Any you. Expertise. Yeah, let me tell you something, man. I'm sorry. I'm going to sign off this live because you guys are getting all the good good. We're going to fucking post this out later. Thank you very much for everybody who's coming online. I am fucking on another level right now. Love you guys. It's the head cold. It's the head cold. It's probably because I'm on like, that's a survival mode. That's what's going on. Where I feel like I'm going to. a bottle of Jameson already? I don't know what you're talking about. That's a, that's a, hey, when you have problems, uh, don't talk about them. Go to the bar every day and drink. Be a man. (laughs) Be a man. Be a man. Thank you very much, guys. So, you know what I mean? Like, I look at these concepts and. I, I kind of get myself worked up because I think for a, a lot of our, I don't want to say existence, but I surely want to say that for a lot of our perspective as athletes and ongoers and onlookers that I think people are craving this more than ever. I think it's a hard call out that we, and I, and I say that for anyone, and, and I'm certainly guilty of it, is that we're spending more time than ever picking and choosing what we want to face in terms of sport mm-hmm. relationships uh pain all of these things we we decide that we only want to deal with 50 percent of what comes with and again circle back responsibility responsibility i remember nobody ever told me my first because uh when i was 30 30 30 maybe 31 i had meniscus surgery as well my first trip to the bathroom on crutches, I was by myself in my one-bedroom apartment, just me, you know, single at the time, no friends around, and I take the crutches, I get to the bathroom, and the fucking crutch slips out on me. I plant my bad knee down, boom, and I get pain that shoots all the way up into, like, my chest. And, I'm like, oh, puke. and I just start crying. Mm. Because within the first 12 hours when I didn't have to, the drugs were still good and everything was still good. I'm like, man, this is nothing. And then I felt that first surge of pain and emotionally just boom, the, the, the switch flipped. And I'm like, how am I going to do this? And nobody was around to tell me like, hey, man, this is how it goes. Like, you need to understand that this step and each step is going to come with some pain. 
It's going to come with mental pain. It's going to come with emotional pain and physical pain. Every time you do that rehab and that lady who bends your knee back for the first time, you know, yep. <laughs> you oh know, my God, that hurts. Bro. And I am not about beating women, but yeah, holy but let's, shit. Maybe we should fight. I'm going to shake the shit out of her. <laughs> what I'm fucking do. Ma'am. <laughs> you know how much this fucking hurts? But yeah. Okay, we're going to go one more. I'm like, no, we're not. But like it's, it's that emotional or that's it's that physical pain that ties you into this emotion of how the fuck am I going to do this? And again, the responsibility, like I wish that doctor would have said, hey, man, you're going to have some super low points. Just know that's normal. Right. And so, again, this is where we need to take responsibility amongst ourselves. You know, power to the people, bro. And I'm not saying that everyone has to do a fucking video about this, but, you know, when you have a friend or, or, or especially an athlete or a fellow teammate that is going through it, hurt, it is your responsibility to make sure that you can provide what you can to them. You may not be able to fix them, but you can show them that they're still valued. <laughs> and we do this at the Battle Axe Gym, and I bring this up. All the time. Hey, uh -huh. there's a people here that can't make it. There's people here that can't, you know, do it. And they're, you know, they're they're not here right now. You know, message them. Message him. Message her. They're going through it. Yes. They're further away. Because it's just a DM or a text away. And sometimes that's all we have. I'm not saying that's the only thing you can do. But it's just the only have. It, it's being proactive, not reactive. And we can do it in a physical sense. You everyone foam rolls and does their log five and activates their glutes and fucking does this, but proactively as lifters to each other, have you checked on your teammate lately? Mm -hmm. Have you asked a difficult question to your lifter? I'm going to tell you right now, look, that there's probably a handful of you that are going to be like, yeah, I kind of do it and be like, you're a fucking liar. You don't, you don't do it enough. This is one thing that for sure I'm not, I'm not lying. I do this all the fucking time physically on text on phone calls i made a promise to myself four years ago that i would never fucking stop doing this and i haven't like i don't clock out on this part i don't i may clock out on myself sometimes because we're still going through some things sometimes but i don't clock out on that i don't i return the text or if i fucking forget the call i'm like i'm so sorry and i'm in a fucking car and i'm eating and i'm driving back i'm like hey bro what's up man talk to me I put you on the bluetooth i don't even know where the microphone's at <laughs> but i get after it yeah that why why can we sit there and 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 i'm not saying like you know it's it's if that person loads a plate for you and goes to a competition for you that's your brother that's your sister, bro. That's your blood. You've made a clan. You've made a family pack. You only gonna cheer them on when things are good, man. You as a coach, dog. You're only gonna message them when they message you. And look, and I, I get in trouble for this. I love to do this. When somebody doesn't email me their updates, I just don't email them. <laughs> I, I, you're listening to this. You know exactly who you are. I'll get this. I just won't email you. Sometimes it's because I'm, you know, I'm running late or whatever. It's like a Tuesday. Hey, you know, and so I didn't get my email. I'm like, you didn't update me. Oh, I'm like, yeah, well, how are you feeling? 
Um, I go, don't don't message me here. Message me on the email like we talked about. Uh-huh. Because that puts them in a position where, and I'm the bad guy. You know, oh, my God, you know, I'm paying for, you know, because people in their programming, it's like, you know, hell can, you know, break loose and hell freeze over and it's the apocalypse and it's fucking, you know, dawn of the dead. No problem. I missed the, the running fu- ones, I, yeah. though. Not the running ones. Uh, we all die. Okay, listen. Let me explain to you something. Okay, hold on. We're going to take a little bit of a sidetrack here <laughs> because this is important. Running here's zombies. what. Here's my. I just okay. Here's my perspective. First of all, let's 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 say that they're zombies. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Now we do know that the traditional term of zombie is reanimation. Mm. That comes from the voodoo term. You know this. Okay, mm-hmm. you know this. Okay. Of course. Reanimation doesn't necessarily mean that that person has to be reanimated slowly. And let me further explain this. If they're reanimated, especially right when they die, they're still full of glycogen, fat, muscle. They have food in their belly. They have muscle. They can probably move fast, not extra fast, because extra fast zombies are not zombies. They're typically some sort of primate, like twenty eight days later, and they people we as as a person. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna bust bust your balls. People in the movie might call them zombies, right? Like Walking Dead, right? So where are they? They can move relatively fast until they start moving slow because they run out of resources. They're hungry. Mm. They don't longer eat. So to me, here's my perspective on a traditional zombie. It's gonna be okay. You're right. Some things are ridiculous, like when they jump on buildings. But that's I Am Legend, and then that's not a zombie. <laughs> I World War Z, that was bullshit, too. That's not zombies. That was not in the book, by the way, because if you read the book. Did you read the book? No. Okay, this read? is a, we're an amateur hour here. We're an amateur hour. <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow. Okay, cut the <laughs> We should edit this whole section out. Um, but in World War Z, they're fast, right? So I think that they can be fast until they start, you know, burning their glycogen, literally the resources, there's no food in their stomach. And that's why typically zombie movies, they start to get really slow at one point. Mm-hmm. They start kind of running and then they still have their primal thing, like the bottom cervical. That's why you got to shoot them in the what? In the head. Why? Because you kill the brain. Why? Because, because the bottom, the, 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 exactly. What's the primal only part left in those brain that's working? Their primal things. Eat, sleep. Run as fast, not even sleep. Run as fast as you can. Get that primal thing. Think about that little bit of energy you have about when you're Survival. about to die. Yeah. yeah. So you know what? They can run. Wow. Okay. But okay. Hear me out. Rigor mortis doesn't slow them down at all. Well, they're reanimated. Oh, come on. I mean, if you can believe that they can come back to life, you can surely tell me that rigor mortis is irrelevant. I'll throw this fucking chair. <laughs> I'm fucking ready. I can have this argument. I've been having this since fucking Nam. Unbranded when guys were if you're listening. Back in Vietnam. Fire up the fucking <laughs> wrestling ring because it's going down. <laughs> All right, let me get my knee sleeves on. <laughs> and my speedo, of course. What a great transition, man. I'm fucking ready, dude. No, seriously, because I'm sick of tired of crying. Yeah. 32 episodes in <laughs> We're doing a Q&A next one guys We're doing a fucking we're Q&A We're tired dog and, and, and look man It's it's. Give us it, a Give us a recap So Right And It's time I, I think yeah And I think it's it's. Oh wow Damn Time flew Holy fuck Okay Um, Let me Let me touch base on a couple things Um, And this is something that I really wanted to be Quite Quite clear on I think a lot of times when people are hurt, sorry, my, my um, I'm a little bit stuffier than I expected. Um, and it, it, we have some. Here's let me let me tell you what questions I ask myself, and this is very candid. Let me let me tell you what I wrote in my notes, which I typically 
either A, don't do, or typically crumble them into a million pieces. I, I wish it would, you know, be cool if I would have kept all my notes. But anyway, <laughs> um, here's one. Why pain is so unique to each person, physical and mental? That was one of my questions to myself. What is mental pain? Number two, different types of mental pain, which was pretty interesting to me. It was a study with the concept of mental pain by Tosani, the one from Italy, saying like, in and I quote, in the literature terms such as mental pain, there's, we had a discussion this morning about how to pronounce it, but I'm just going to run with it. Uh, it's pronounced psychic. It looks like psychic pain, psychological pain, emptiness, psych ache, internal perturbation, and psychological quality of life has been used to refer to the same construct. Meaning there's a lot of terminology on what we discuss and think mental pain is, right? Then, of course, we talked about why physical pain correlates to psychic pain, which we just talked about how these things really get after it. Um, what is psych ache, you know, feelings of guilt? What is emotional pain? And that's something that I just brought up when I talked to Boger. We were talking about those things. But these are questions that I'm asking myself. Here's one, mental pain and suicide with four exclamations because I'm like, holy shit, you know. And here I'm going to quote this because I think it's important. And this is Schneidem, Schneidman. Further postulated that psychic is intolerable because it results from the basic needs that have been thwarted. Suicide occurs when the psychic is deemed by that individual to be unbearable. It is an escape from the intolerable suffering. Pain threshold and pain tolerance are highly and negatively correlated with personal distress in a suicidal person. That's when I told you about in non-suicidal persons, intense mental pain is associated with high sensitivity to bodily pain. Like we said, a person that is going through a lot of trauma who is non-suicidal is very sensitive to physical pain and might not damage themselves. In contrast, and conversely, among suicidal persons, intense mental anguish is associated with low sensitivity to bodily pain, which was our whole discussion when we were on the live. But how many people in our community are exactly like the second one? Yeah. In this community, when we file something cathartic to beat us into the fucking ground and these are flags so then people ask like we didn't know okay you maybe we don't know we maybe most of the time we never will but maybe it's okay to know a little bit one percent of a hundred is better to know than nothing you know and and here's what like how mental pain may not affect depression but increase suicide there's a whole study on this these are questions that i do and then the last one what, what crystal sent me which is great pain and emotion a bio Biopsychosocial review of recent research was a whole group of people. And this is an interesting conclusion. Listen to this. And I thought it was awesome. It says, this is my favorite part. And this is what I was talking about. And, and it might be a little bit long, but bear with me about your perspective and your emotions based on long lasting pain. This is coming from all of us that deal with chronic, quote unquote, nagging pain, hmm? mm -hmm which emotions are integral to the conceptualization assessment and treatment of persistent pain. Let me fucking say that <clears throat> one more time. This was a conclusion from Mark a Lumley and this is actual research on what I just said. Emotions are integral to the conceptualization assessment and treatment of persistent pain. This is referring to physical pain. Research should clarify when to eliminate or attenuate negative emotions and when to access, experience, and express them. Theory and practice should be integrated, integrate emotion and into cognitive behavioral models of the persistence of pain. Let me say what that means. It means 
There's the right time and place when to be angry, when to express sorrow, and when to move forward. Theory and practice should integrate, meaning theory and practice, what you think and what you actually do, need to integrate emotion into a cognitive behavioral model, meaning you have to train the person to think this. What is cognitive therapy? It's meaning you, if you, this is when they mean a positive correlation and negative correlation. This doesn't mean uh, it, negative means they differ, right? If you do something that is going to affect you in a good way, I'm going to reinforce that. If you do something that it shouldn't do, you can do two things. Negative reinforcement doesn't mean like beat you. It just means me not giving you any kind of any feedback on that. It, it means that the lifter and your friend is going to react to how you react every time they act this way. As a coach, when something hurts, it's how you react that's going to affect your lifter the most. Yep. Oh, you're fucked. <laughs> Can you imagine? Ah, oh, dude, you know, your fucking day's done. God. Or, you know what? I don't really, I don't know, man. What, what, what don't you know? Shit. <laughs> this is science. <laughs> yeah. Furthermore, pain is the most common symptom reported to healthcare providers. It is a driving force of healthcare utilization and and lost productivity and exacts and exacts a substantial toll on the afflicted, their loved ones, and society in general. Look at what it's fucking saying. Pain is prevalent symptom not only in primary medical care and specialty pain clinics, but also mental health as substantial dependence treatment settings. Thus, it is vital that psychologists remain abreast of recent theory and research that informs and directs case conceptualizations, assessment, and intervention among patients and experiencing pain. What the fuck is that trying to say? It means educate yourself, bro. It means pain is the number one thing affecting all of us in this fucking world, and especially in this state. How many of our friends are addicted to opioids? to alcohol, to drugs. Look at your community, bro. How many people take steroid cycles just because they don't want their knee to hurt anymore? Dude, I'm not dogging no drug users, bro. I fucking love a good cycle. Let's be real. But what is your why? What's your reasoning? What's your coping mechanism? And if you really care about this person, I'm not saying that you have to be high judge. No, ain't no judgment zone. Just ask them the question if they're doing it for the right reasons or is this a bunch of bullshit? And furthermore, and worse is that they're going online and portraying themselves like fucking Jesus when in fact they're a fucking coward. We think that people are stupid. People are not stupid. We need to stop that perspective that people are dumb. People are not dumb, bro. People are animals first. And you know what the first thing people love to smell is fear. We can smell the bullshit in your eyes, bro. People who matter can smell fear. We're animals first. We eat, we fight, we fuck, and we can smell fear because fear produces power for the opposite person. We can see through that bullshit. I'm not saying you have to admit your, please, please don't regard this as a fucking moral compass. Because it's fucking not. Because a lot of these things are going to be having discussions with very immoral situations. And this, But if that is your fucking lifter, that is your family member, that's your boy, get ready for a hard discussion. 
this is this is this is what there's this is but studies that we need to understand as lifters, as athletes, as a community, as a culture, as a clan, as a team, whatever the fuck you want to do. But you can't tell me to live a life a certain way. And I mean this by people who are telling me how to live a life when you're a fucking pussy. I tell you right now, I can tell you right now, bro. Sometimes I drown my face in whiskey because I have so many self-doubts and so much responsibility that I'm terrified that people look up to me. I feel like fucking ending myself. So I drink myself into the fucking ground because I'm terrified, John. This is a real thing. And every year, that fucking weight becomes what? More, right? We said it. More weight. And you know why I asked for it? Because the alternative is to give up. And I really don't understand that concept. Right? So we sit here today, (laughs) and I know that I'm fired up about it because this is what I really give a shit about. That somehow with my fucked up choices and my perspective on life and what I've done to myself and for others is going to actually really matter. That's sitting there and teaching somebody not only how to deadlift 500, but why they deadlifted 500 and how they got there is so much more important to me as a teacher, as a professor in a sense, you can say as a coach. That is so important to me. And there's people out there that paint themselves this way and you're fucking fucking yourself by not researching the entire aspect of an athlete, of a human being. You have a human being life in your hand, dude. I hate this responsibility, but it's the only responsibility I know that keeps me alive. And it kills me, dude. Do you like it, it kills me? And I know you guys get it. It kills you. I know some of you directly feel it. Like, why the fuck am I here? But you're here now, dude. You can't do anything about it. So you make the best of it. You fucking get smart. You ask questions. You have discussions. You sit down with people and you fucking cry with your athlete because you actually give a fuck that they're doing things for the wrong reason. And you know what you say? You say you're fucking wrong, dude. No, this is just you. This is what works for you. No, brother. You know what works for some people? Quote, unquote, some people? A fucking 10 rails to my blood pressures at 180 and a bottle of Jameson. Let's go pick a fight, bro. Let's go fuck shit up. You know that works for me, Johnny? (laughs) That's not good. (laughs) You're going to... And if you tell me as a friend, this is good, you're not a friend to me. You should... I can see it in my eyes. I see it in yours. I see it in people. They look at me with like... They may not say it because I come off a certain way, but that's not a good idea, and I see it. You know what that does to me? I'm like, okay. Okay, maybe I should go home. (laughs) Yeah. Mm. But we can't do that to our lifters. We can't do that to our teammates. The fuck we can. Yes, we can. Pain is everything. Pain is presence. Pain is married to suffering and suffering is married to obstacles and obstacles is the fucking way to quote the fucking book. This is the way stick to the fucking plan. Ask yourself these questions, talk to each other, ask yourself in a way that it's going to learn to articulate emotion. It is going to help you grow not only as an athlete, but as a fucking person. And I mean, grow, it doesn't always necessarily mean good, man. 
<laughs> we have some bad times in our lives, dude. But fucking grow. I'm not giving you a fucking biblical explanation or how to avoid sin, man, because those things are delicious. <laughs> you fucking got to know who you are, and it comes with questioning each other and being fucking after it. This is MDLP. This is a Battle Axe podcast saying don't be a fucking pussy. Everything ends.